Hello, and welcome to Maybe It's Spiritual. This podcast is about people, their stories, their experiences, and the things they can't explain. We live in a world where supernatural occurrences happen to people more often than we talk about. And on this show, we're going to explore these paranormal encounters and become a place where people can share what they've gone through without the fear of being told they're crazy. You are not alone. My name is Rafael Gonzalez, and you are listening to Maybe It's Spiritual. James and welcome to Maybe It's Spiritual. Hi, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. So you have some some interesting experiences to share with us. I do. Yeah, right. I don't know if you wanna how you wanna if you wanna ask questions or if you want me just to talk, you just let me know. Right. Well, I don't know. We can try to do it in chronological order if you want, since it's like childhood to adulthood, mm-hmm. and then we'll just go from there. Sounds good to me. So um, let's talk about the house on Greenwood Avenue. That seems to be where it all starts. Yeah, that is. Um, I grew up in a house on 1402 Greenwood Avenue, at 1402 Greenwood Avenue, the corner of Greenwood and Summit, actually not very far from here. And um, um, so I was born in 1982. Uh, my dad bought that house sometime in the mid to late 70s, uh, bought it condemned and uh, remodeled it and made it into like a, you know, a livable house. Um, he married my mom the same year I was born. So he lived there for years before that with just kind of random roommates and you know whatever else and um, anyway so I guess this all had to happen before I was eight years old because um, when I was eight my parents got divorced and I remember these things happening when my mom still lived in the house although there were a few things that happened after she left now that I think about it um, a lot of things that would happen would be things would move um, now it's not like I would be sitting there and I'd watch like a glass slide across the the counter or anything like that yeah. Um, but I would leave the room and come back in the room and things would have moved. Um, a lot of times, excuse me, a lot of times it was, um, musical stuff. Um, a boom box would be moved. Um, my sister had a keyboard that was moved a couple of times. Um, electrical equipment. It's interesting you should say that, but yeah, I didn't really thought about that, but electrical stuff. Um, and I also don't know if it had anything to do with things that, we paid attention to a lot. For instance, um, I remember sleeping and we, I had this toy box. You guys remember those like uh, football toy boxes? Oh yeah. I don't know if you remember those, but oh, I do. Yeah. So we had one of those and um, we'd put our toys in it and I'm mean, my sister and I used to, it was a scary old house. So this house to backtrack a little bit, this house was built in like 1901 or something like that or the late 1800. So it's a very old house um, converted into multi-families during the depression then reconvert into a single family after that and so um there were a lot of kind of creepy sounds in the house just normal old old house stuff so my sister and i would end up like being scared like sleeping in the same room a lot oh yeah and um one thing i remember is that these toys in this toy box would shift 
a lot. And I know that's normal. Even as a kid, I was like, well, that's yeah. normal. Yeah, of course. But it would happen for like hours. Like, and I would say something to my dad and he, he would just say, well, that's just the toys like settling, you know. But it just seems odd that that would happen for hours. Okay. That's a lot of settling. A lot of settling. Um, so that's one, that's one thing I remember, particularly as a child. Um, but again, that could be accounted to just, you know, I don't know, maybe contracting plastic as the night air gets cooler or something like that. I'm sure there's something. Yeah. So um, another thing I remember is we're sitting, uh, we're walking, actually I'm standing in the foyer and my mom is standing there and uh, um, in front of this wall scones, which has a mirror in it. And I look at her and I say, mommy, mommy, you have a monkey on your back. And she looks in the mirror and she says, I can't see it. And, but I can see it to this very day, this shadow creature, like clung onto her back and it looks at me. I can't make out a face, but I can tell by the shape that it turns its head and faces me. And what was weird is I wasn't that scared in that instance. I would be scared often at night, but with that, I wasn't particularly scared. My parents believed in this stuff. They were, um, I wouldn't say they were Pentecostal, but they were very spiritual religion, spiritual Christians. They believed in, you know, angels and demons, and they believed that the dark forces were here on earth trying to like harm us, scare us, um, you know, lead us into temptation or whatever. And, um, so oftentimes when I'd bring this stuff up to my father at like, you know, six years old, he would say like, don't worry, they can't hurt you. You're covered in the blood of Christ, which didn't do a lot to like assuage my fears because the idea of being covered in like the blood of human sacrifice wasn't really like comforting. You right. Know? Six years old. You don't have no idea what that means. No. And I mean, we would talk about that kind of stuff, you know, like I was like quote unquote saved at like five or whatever. And my dad always felt like it was really important to like, you know, lead my sister and I into like an actual prayer of salvation. You know, he always, he, he believed heavily or probably still believes heavily in the like, um, the sort of, ritualistic side of it. I know that the church doesn't talk about it as ritualistic, but there is, it's a ritual. When you lead somebody into a prayer of salvation, you know, that's a ritual. Certain things must be said, you know, it must be stated that I believe in Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and savior. Like that's, those are ritualistic statements. Those, those statements have to be said in order for the, the spell to work. Right. Okay. Um, so, so this kind of puts me into this mindset of, um, that there are dark forces, that there's a world beyond what we can see. And I'm very young and I'm in this house and I start having these dreams where I'm in this house and I'm walking out my bedroom door and I look around and I'm in this house, but it's not how it is now when I'm eight. It's not at the, how it was at that time. It was how it was before it was, um, no carpet on the stairs. There are carpet staples sticking up from the bare wood. And I look back and there is this amorphous creature, you know, about the size of the hallway. So about four feet wide. And it is, has its black mouth just open and it's round and it's coming at me. And I am terrified because I know it wants to hurt me. And so I'm running down these stairs and I prick my little boy toe on the carpet staple and I look down and I bleed 
and that's when I would wake up. But I had this this dream numerous times. Um, before I was born, so this is all related to the same house, 1402 Greenwood Avenue. Before I was born, my dad told me he would have, um, he used to help with like uh, sort of like philanthropic work. Like um, he used to help with uh, crisis pregnancy, the crisis pregnancy center in Rockford. Mm-hmm. Um, he would, uh, I know he was part of a cult watch group. I was able to find out what it was called. I don't think it had like a name, um, but they, him and his friends would like, document like supposed cult behaviors so like things like even things like the shriners or things like that they would consider they were they consider those to be um cults you know the oh sure christian science reading room things of this nature um you can lump just about anything into a cult well if there's a leader right i mean i mean by definition every religion is a cult because there's there's a a leader or a being or that you're following sure no i I did a Mm -hmm. speech on that in college yeah so you understand so um so this all kind of like culminated in this one event where my mother alone in the house very trustworthy woman okay she's not the person to make up stuff for attention she in fact she would probably she would play if anything she's going to downplay it right um so she's alone in the house and she's also like 29 okay so i know in, when i'm young it seems when i was young it seemed like she was so old but look at looking back she's 29 it's not that old right you know? yeah you're young man mm-hmm. and she's um gathering laundry throughout the house you know as you will do and she's alone again i didn't emphasize that and she walks down um into our living room it's a two four she walks down into the living room and at the time they're remodeling cabinets so there are cabinets and boxes uh, in the living room and there's a pink sweater, she says, on this across the living room. And between her and this pink sweater is this cabinet box. And as she goes towards the pink sweater, this cabinet falls out of the box. And because weird things had happened in this house already, because things had moved, um, she says, you can have the fucking sweater. She says this out loud. Right. Um, and then she, walk, she proceeds to walk into the basement, or very creepy basement, but anyway... She walks as just is just a normal creepy basement. Right. She walks into the basement where the laundry is. She puts the stuff in the laundry, the clothes, and she walks upstairs. And on the top of the stairs is sitting the pink sweater. Oh! And she freaks out. She leaves the house. Says, "I'm never going back to that house. I don't care. I'm never going back to that house." And at that point, my dad, who had lived with these beings he called them demons right he'd lived with these with the belief that they can't hurt you because you're covered in the blood of christ but at this point it prompted my father to um implore the church that he was involved with which may have been faith center but i'm not positive at that time um to do an exorcism on the house and so this isn't like um this isn't like catholic holy water like right there's no coins and no sayings and stuff no you're not getting like approval from the vatican you know right. what i mean um, so it's just like, you know, the kind of charismatic faith. There's a lot of belief in demons. Of course they're there. Why wouldn't they be? They're shits, weird shits happening. There's probably demons. Right. So they come in and they, I wasn't there, but they pray over the house. They come in, you know, they cast the demons out in the name of Jesus, you know, and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, it didn't stop though. It didn't stop. Um, Weird stuff continued to happen. Things continued to move. My father told me um, in the late 70s before I was born, he was living there with another roommate. And there was a, a 
room upstairs off the street and which ironically is the same room with the settling toys and it was full of boxes okay this was a room they used for storage and they would hear footsteps just walking back and forth in this room um and the woman would ask my ask my dad what is that and he says oh it's the demons so he just had pet demons in the in the attic and uh and she was like the what and he says you know they can't hurt you because you're covered in the blood of christ don't worry about it and she was like fuck that i'm out of here i am out of here this is his roommate this is a roommate yeah and so like this so this was going on like the whole time you know and um i don't know what on what went on in that house you know it was an old house um early 1900s Things were a lot different. People treated their children, wives a lot differently. Yeah. Um, I don't know what kind of abuse went on in that house, if any. I don't know that any went on in that house. Right. Um, I also don't know what my father was into before he, you know, became a Christian. I do find it interesting that a lot of the um, activity would happen in this one room, which is the only room. It's on the house is on a corner, so it's the only room that isn't on a street. So I always felt like if weird stuff was, if you were going to do weird stuff in that house or if you were going to be mean to somebody in that house, you would probably do it in that room because it's not on the street. Oh, that makes sense. Um, you know, and that's pure conjecture on my part. Sure. Don't, yeah. I mean, you can only guess it yeah. at this point with that kind of stuff. So we have an exorcism. Things don't really stop. Um, my mom leaves. She They get a divorce for completely unrelated reasons, you know. And... Um, he decides to have another exorcism on the house. and After she left? After she left. And uh, it did. Things stopped after that. Things stopped after that. Um, did they leave? I don't know. You know, I always got, I always got a really weird vibe from that house. Um, we moved into a new house at like, when I was like 13, out in the country. And, um, you know, my brother, my stepbrother and I, we've both felt a presence in the basement there at that house at the new house um i've closed my eyes and seen faces i feel like i'm sensitive to this stuff but then again it could be the you know overactive imagination of the artistic mind the creative mind and um but it seems weird that we would both feel things down there oh yeah that's Um, usually a sign that there's something going on especially yeah the dual yeah I i would think so um now i can't I can't say if something followed us. I can't say if it's just like uh, that's sort of like what they say, like a poltergeist is like sort of excess energy or whatever from like particularly people who are um, growing up or, or people who are just kind of generally angry or something like that. Sure. Um, I've heard that, that the poltergeist activity is usually like someone in the house. Is yeah. Causing it. Right. So um, my father is a pretty intense individual. Um, he's not the kind of guy you want mad at you in the moment. I mean, maybe in the long run, it's not that big of a deal, but in the moment, he's not the kind of guy you want, like coming at you angry. Oh, sure. Um, so, you know, I don't know if that, if that had anything to do with it. I don't know if, um, bringing in, um, young women who are, who are dealing with crisis pregnancies, who are dealing with intense emotion in their own lives and kind of crazy dramatic situations. I don't know if that added to the... You know that kind of excess energy. So he would house. have them at your house. Yeah. So he would he would foster like like young women who are pregnant and didn't have anywhere to go. He would let them 
excuse me, he would let them rent a room in the house or have a room in the house until they could get on their feet. So the house on Greenwood. On Greenwood, yeah. And they were actually burglarized many times because of that. Oh, I bet. Even as even as a child, I remember we come home one night and the door is wide open, you know, and because he'd he'd let this person live there and give them a key and then a, and then they're like you know, doing whatever they're doing with their life, maybe the things that led to them not having anywhere to go. Right. Anyway. And, and they uh, follow them there. Some people are prone to burglary. You know, some people want to steal from other people. And sure. So we were burglarized because of that a couple of times. Um, but that's all very, you know, material world things. Sure. So as far as Greenwood goes, we moved out when I was about, 13 you know whether yeah. things followed us to the new house or not i don't know um but that's pretty much it for greenwood avenue so let me ask you some questions about greenwood just mm-hmm. if you can remember you're mm-hmm. kind of young so going back to the to the image to the to the thing you saw on your mom's back mm-hmm. did you talk to your dad about it i don't remember talking to my dad i do remember i do remember someone saying like oh it's just one of the demons or it's just a, or it's probably a demon, or something along those lines. Sure. But it like not being that big of a deal. Like, yeah, they'll be around. It's an old house. We expect, you know. <laughs> like, don't worry about it. You're covering the blood of Christ, of course. Okay. So, okay. Um, what did your mom think about this stuff? She's always. I mean, she's. You know, she's. She believes in that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if. I don't know if necessarily she thinks it's demons. Even recently when I brought this up to my dad, he was like, well, I don't know if I told you it was demons, but he totally did. Okay. I'm not making that up, but I think the idea of him telling a six year old that they're demons now sounds probably a lot crazier than it did at the time. Right. Um, because think like he was like, he was like my age, you know, which like in 1980 something, not like, not with, you know, we tend to take our, our, we tend to take our stand on things now and apply it historically when things were certain. Yeah. In retrospect. Yeah. So did you know what was happening? Like with the exorcism stuff? Like I knew we were having one. Right. But I don't think I understood what it was. And they called it an an exorcism. exorcism Yeah. They called it an exorcism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Huh. And that was approved by the church by the, well, yeah, the pastor, I think it was probably like Don Lyons. Don Lyons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was my neighbor, ironically enough. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. They were if it was if it was Faith Center. My dad's always been very involved. Like sure. he's not just like the guy who's going to go and like sit on the pew. In fact, when we started going to um to at the time First Assembly of God, um he didn't like that it was very hard to get involved because it's such a big church, you know. Oh yeah. It takes a while to get into the mm-hmm. the cl- the club if you can ever get in. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So that's a lot of activity and they have these exorcisms. Doesn't really do anything. But then when your mom left, Mm -hmm. then they had another one Mm -hmm. and that. It did. And you know, now that you say that, I I do wonder if that had anything to do with my mother, if her presence there, because you have to understand she was, she was 19 um, when they got married or 20, 19 or 20. She was pregnant with me. Um, They'd she'd been living a tumultuous life. Okay, they were heavy into drugs. They were partying a lot. Um, you know, I know that. I know in the Christian circles, <clears throat> in Christian circles, like those things are attributed to spiritual maladies. You know, um, 
bondage drug use yes bondage there you go yes and maybe not demonic possession but demonic oppression oppression yeah which i'm sure we've heard a lot so you know i'm not going to say that there's demons that attach themselves to those things i will say that a tumultuous internal life can manifest itself externally gotcha well so okay greenwood avenue is over where did you, you said you went into this new house and you started seeing things. Well, we did see, we did, um, in my, in my head and like at a certain point I started to feel real sensitive to these things. I've yeah. started to feel, I started to feel like, um, I mean, even now, like I can predict what people are going to say before they say it oftentimes. And now that could just be like speech patterns, right? People right. talk in certain speech patterns. Sure. You can kind of like figure out what they're going to say. Yeah. Um, it is weird though. Sometimes when I'll have like the, the word that they're going to say in my head and then it comes out of their mouth. Um, I have, okay, one time my mom is driving me down this street and she wants to test my like intuition. She wants to test my like abilities. Oh, wow. And um, now my mom like lives in a suburban home in a golf course. Okay. I don't want you to get this idea that she's like some like crazy witch woman. Okay. She, okay. She's not at all. She's a real estate agent, you know, married to the vice president of a golf club company. Yeah. Um, not my dad anymore. Super but. wicked. Yes. <laughs> Evil people. Um, so... Anyway, like we went, we went to like we went like boating with them in in in, uh, in Wisconsin a couple weekends ago. Chilling, yeah, chilling, yes, <laughs> terrifying. Um, so anyway, we um we're driving on this street in this uh, subdivision, this very in the same subdivision she lives in. It's golf courses, you know, um, upper middle class to upper class subdivision, and uh, she goes, "Do you get a weird vibe from any one of these houses?" And I go. You know, I sort of, I sort of fix my attention on this row of houses, and I say, "Yeah, actually, that one." And she goes, "That's the house where they found pentagrams in the basement after the people moved out." And so, whoa, yeah. But the weird, so that's weird, just in general. Yeah. But I was able to pick that out just from looking at, and they all look. It's a, it's a suburb. Like you literally pick like three houses. You can have one of three houses. You know. Right. Exactly. And I was able to pick that out. So like things like that have led me to believe. Uh, coupled with like some other events in my life have led me to believe that I'm sort of sensitive to these, these, um, I don't know, these different maybe vibrational presences in our physical reality. Um, so yeah, so since then I've closed my eyes in the, in that old house and even as an adult and I would see these faces kind of pale white faces and, um, you know, I was scared too, though. You know, I don't know if it's real or not, but I was, I mean, I was very scared, though. I was, I would be in my basement as an adult at my dad's house, and I would be so scared that I wouldn't want to open the bedroom door. This is as an adult, okay? Like, I like to be scared, okay? I don't get, like, that kind of scared. So scared I'm afraid to open the door. As, like, a 30-year-old man, um... And again, I, I'm like generally sensitive, like loud noises kind of bother me a lot. Like, um, I cried a lot as a kid, you know, I'm, I've my, I don't know if that's, they call it, they call it a hypersensitive per- person, HSP, which is just means oh, yeah. you have an overactive, like uh, nervous system. Sure. Um, but I feel like maybe if that's the case, a person like that might be sensitive to these um, different levels of energy in a room or in a property or something like that you know there's this story about um about these native american um trackers that were hired by the federal government the u.s military to to track like nazis or something like that 
and um these were the best trackers. I mean, they could oh. find they could find a person. These were like Navajo trackers. They made a movie about that, didn't they? I don't know if they I did. I think they did. Well, they cut their hair off, and they're unable to perform the activity that they were that they were able to perform before they cut their hair off, because they all had to go into boot camp, you know. So they cut their hair off, and they're unable to perform that. So I feel like our nervous system is able to perceive things that maybe our accepted senses. Um, well, I guess they are all a part of the nervous system, but we're able to feel, let me say it like this. We're able to feel things that we aren't necessarily able to see or hear, um, consciously. Okay. And then if we can train our minds to, um, translate the subconscious feelings into our conscious mind, we can know what those things are. I see. So you think that's what was happening? Well, I think that I've, I'm sensitive to that. Yeah, I do. I think that maybe growing up in a house like that maybe led to that sensitivity. Made you alert. Mm-hmm. Um, so your stepbrother, what was he? What kind of thing? What did he think of this stuff? You know, he's a pretty pragmatic dude. He's a he's like a. I mean, what is it? He works in the, he works in the medical field. What okay. Do you call it? I mean, M, MET. That's not right. I don't know. He works in the medical field. I can't okay. remember what you call it. You know where the people who go in like the ambulance and go like EMT. EMT. That, the, our last guest was an EMT. Yes, he's an EMT. Or he had some other. I think he's an EMT. He might be a respiratory therapist. I don't know. He works There's in the a lot of letters field. associated with those guys. Yeah, too many letters. Yeah. So he's a very pragmatic person. I don't think he was ever really like... He, he would say it feels scary down here. But I think also like you're a kid and like you're scared of the basement. Oh, yeah. That's not uncommon, right? right. I oh, certainly, absolutely. I certainly wouldn't want to ascribe like every fear of the dark to like some otherworldly presence. They wouldn't put it in a movie. I mean, that's where everything happens. <laughs> yeah. The movies. That's where you go. Right. With the candle. Um, unprepared. Unprepared. Um, so what happened after that house? Um, after that house, I mean, I lived a sort of wild life. Um, you know, I was heavily involved in the church for a long time. Um, I witnessed many. Um, what do you call it? Wherever they cast a demon out of a person, I've witnessed this many times. I've witnessed people being slain in the spirit, as they call it, where somebody touches them and prays over them and they fall down. Oh, sure. I, um, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. I just explained that to my wife. She didn't know what that was. Yeah. So right. So these are these sort of terms that, as like, when you grow up in this charismatic environment, that are just kind of tossed around, and we kind of talk about it like, oh yeah, you see it, you hear it, like you know, like everybody knows what it is when it's not the case, of course. You know, I've seen speaking in tongues. I've spoken in tongues myself. Um, I've since left the church. I don't, I do not, um, I'm not a part of the Christian faith in any, in any way, shape or form. Um, I started to see a lot of money making aspects of it. I started to see a lot of political support or support towards political um, aspects of our government that I don't approve of that i don't think are okay Mm -hmm. Um, i started to see an intense intention of injecting christianity into our government and i think that's very dangerous for people who aren't christians in our country and our country is founded on the idea of religious freedom so i don't think that christianity is being a part of our government is healthy Um, so i started seeing a lot of these things in the church and so i'm no longer a part of that Um, i will say that i think that like I think there was a metaphysical message to what Jesus was talking about. I think there is a spiritual realm. Okay. Um, so anyway, mostly I just lived my life after that, you know. Um, you know, I've been, I've partaken in 
some like ritual magic stuff in the woods. I've, uh, you know, I've done a lot of psychedelics. I've sort of experimented with different states of consciousness. Um, actually, this is her interesting story. So at this uh, Cedar Bluff Cemetery, which um, isn't really that far from that house I grew up in on Greenwood. This is on Rural Street. It's not too far from me. It's like literally, it's literally. Oh, it's just right down. It's like a down block at the and end. a half. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like really close to that house. Yeah. So the house is on Greenwood and Summit, and then Cedar Bluff Cemetery is like on Rural, oh, yeah. which is the top of the hill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know exactly where that is. Yeah. So it's old cemetery, a lot of old gravestones. Oh, There's sh- crypts over there, which is always kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. So we're there. Uh, my friend and I had been doing uh, this drug called ketamine. And I, and I want to be really upfront about this because we were doing this drug, okay? And I want to illustrate how, like, when you're on a drug like that, you can see things and know that they're not real. And then you might see something and be like, what the fuck was that? Right. So we're on this drug. We're doing this. We're in this cemetery doing this, like, psychedelic kind of psychedelic drug. Yeah. And, like, we start seeing, like, weird shapes and stuff. And we're just getting spooked. Okay. Right. We're not like, this is real. We're just getting spooked because we're seeing, like, stuff that isn't, it's not really there. Okay? Right. It's all in our heads. But we're just getting spooked because we're in a cemetery. And uh, so we're like, let's get out of here, man. So we leave and we go back to his place. And um, setup is, like, there's, like, a couch, a TV, and then, like, on the side of the couch, there's, like, an archway. And then there's, like, another room with another couch yeah so he's sitting on the couch next to the television and i'm on the couch through the archway in the other room against the outside wall and we're kind of we're actually like meditating we're like taking a time to like get in touch with our inner selves (laughs) (laughs) so on ketamine uh, yes on ketamine yes because of course what else would you do right um so you know there are actually ketamine therapies now like doctors do oh i'm sure there's all sorts of drug therapies (laughs) so anyway so we're doing this and um (laughs) this is so crazy all of a sudden what i see is the television turn on and off really fast this is an old bubble bag television okay so this was like okay so this was like 2006 okay so you know people still had bubble bag televisions we had one and uh, probably found on the side of the road somewhere. And the TV turns on and off. And out of the screen of the television shoots this, like, I hate to say orb, man, but that's what it was. <laughs> and it, it shoots out of the television. And it flies super fast. And right next to me, there's a, a stool. And on that stool... There's a duffel bag full of instrument cables. This thing probably weighs like 30 or 40 pounds, okay? This orb hits this duffel bag and knocks it onto the ground. And then it flies through the window without the closed window without breaking the window. And I look at my homie, Matt, Matthew, and I go, did you see that? And he looks at me and goes, what was that? And I thought it came out of the television. I In my head, I was like, well, it came down the electrical lines. Right, sure, yeah. But he said it actually started next to him and went into the television. And then out again. And then out again. And I believe it was electrical. Or I, let me say, I don't like that word, belief. I think it was electrical because it turned on and off the television. Right? So it had yeah, to be electrical. Sounds like, it had to have some electrical properties. Sounds like a like a special effect from like... <laughs> 
It's like poltergeist. It kind of does. So like, I don't, you know, and like, I don't know. And even with the, the quote unquote demons, like, I don't think they were demons. Okay. Right. Demon um, orbs. I don't, well, like the thing from my, the Greenwood house, I don't think they were demons, but I don't know. Okay. Like I'm never going to sit here and say like, these were ghosts. The other day I told this story to somebody and they're like, well, why do you think there are ghosts? And I don't know. I'm not saying that there's ghosts. I don't effing know if there's ghosts, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there are. I think that when you die, you're the essence of yourself goes into some like sort of like the beginning of all that is. And then that is reincarnated into another person. So I don't really think there are like ghosts that stick around. Like, I don't think right. your grandma's walking or my grandma's like walking sure. around. I think oh, yeah. her spirit or whatever it is, has probably been reincarnated at this point. Um, so, so no, I don't think they're ghosts. Um, do I think that there might be like, other world entities that like to scare us yeah i do think that i also think that energy sticks around sure um, remnant energy remnant energy i mean energy cannot be created or destroyed this is like the the first or this is the the law of conservation of energy yeah Ener- Th- our third podcast this was the guy that talked about this really yeah yeah so energy cannot be created or destroyed so like there is a trace amount of electrical energy in our bodies. Like right. all of our muscles function, our brains, it all functions on electrical energy. Right, exactly. So when you die, that energy has to go somewhere. It doesn't just like, presumably it doesn't stay in your body. Of course, you know what? Well, you go, okay, so you go into the ground. Electricity likes the ground. Um, it grounds out. Yeah, I guess so. So like, again, I'm not a scientist. I do not want to sit here and pretend like I know all the answers because I do not. Right. Um, but I do know I was at a cemetery and some like conglomeration of electricity came home with us. I know so, so that. You, so you think, okay. I think it came from the cemetery. So you think it followed you home? I think that it attached itself to us. To I don't your roommate maybe. Perhaps my roommate. Yeah. Fr- yeah. More so my, more, it not came, my roommate, my friend. Yeah. Your friend because it came from him. Yes, it came from next to him. So like I do think it um, attached itself. I don't think it's sentient. I don't think it was like, I'm going to go home with these guys. I think that it had kind of bounced around out there, and they're like. I think it had an electric. I think it had an electrical charge in that. He had the right electrical charge. He had the opposite electrical charge or whatever on his shit. It might have been just like static electricity on his genes, you know. I mean, really, because that's what it is. Electricity is just attracted. (laughs) That's how. That's how electricity works, you know. Sure. So it might have just been that. I don't think this thing was like I'm gonna go freak these guys out. Right. I think it was just something electrical. But it is strange that it exists, and so far science doesn't really talk touch on these things. Okay, yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Everybody's got a theory about what it is and what they see. and like. So the orb thing is real. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the guy that was just on here talked about it. Mm-hmm. I've heard, like, people when they have alien experiences, I've heard the crop circles. You told me about that. Yeah. The, that literally an orb comes out of the ground and makes them and then goes back into the ground. That's what one guy said in England. That sounds insane. And doesn't it sound crazy? <laughs> exactly. So being like, real with you, that yeah, sounds no. batshit crazy. <laughs> right. So, but nobody can figure out where these orbs are no, and why, why the shape, why the orb. Well, I figure like elect, like atoms, they sort of, um, they're sort of like, they look like, they call them buckyballs, you know? Yeah. Um, geodesic domes. Um, and then within that, subatomic particles. Now you sound of, like a scientist. Are kind of in like uh, the shapes of these geodesic domes. And um, so electricity seems to gather. Energy energy seems to gather. I mean, our sun is a, a, an orb. Um, energy seems to gather in like a, a sphere. A sphere. So that that's not that crazy to me, you know? Yeah. 
Or like when you go on a ghost tour and they tell you to take a picture over here and there's a, the ghost orbs. Yeah. Because they've got like little bits of water spraying in the air. Oh, sure. But, <laughs> okay, so the orb. So you said you had some other um, mm-hmm. adult experiences. Yeah, so primarily that experience I just shared at the uh, at, with the Cedar Bluff Cemetery. Um, I do, however, make I make art in a building here in Rockford called uh, it's the Rockford Illustrated Company building. It was built in 1903 for the Rockford Illustrated Company, so it's housed artists for pretty much its entire life. And um, I often work late in this building, and my wood shop is in the basement. And there is something about that basement. We actually had a local medium, uh, Eve Harker, who runs uh, Luna Datura Gifts. It's like a rock and gem shop. Excuse me, they sell other kind of witchy paraphernalia. And um, we had her come through the building when... Uh, the art collect. I'm part of an art collective, three one seven art collective. When uh, when we took that building, um, or the space that we use it anyway, we brought her in to kind of like you know go through the place. What's up? Is there anything we need to worry about here? Right. Cleanse it. Cleanse it. Yeah, she did some smudging, I guess. And we have these like we actually to this day have these bags hanging up in a couple of different places. They're like uh. I can't, there's a term for them, but they're basically like bags with different like incenses and stuff, herbs, sage, whatever herbs and rocks and whatever hanging up to sort of like keep the areas pure or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, she says that one of the gentlemen who was involved with the uh, community that was there before us that his energy exists. His name is Tom Latrell, but his energy exists in that building still. And uh, in a second, I'll tell you an interesting experience of that. Um, she says there's a man whose name is like something real normal, like Henry or something that like hangs out in the hallway and he gets frustrated because he doesn't have a task. So like we always tell him to sell art. We'll be like, sell, sell some art today, Henry, you know, cause, and then he like, as long as he has something to do, he doesn't feel frustrated. Right. He's not trashing um, your stuff or. Yeah. So, um, and then this is kind of interesting. Okay. And like, I'm going to put some stuff together that could totally be unrelated. All right. I'm not, I'm not one of these people who's like. And then, like, it's karma, too, and, like, I'm going to relate a bunch of things that are unrelated and say for sure it's that. I don't know, but it's just sort of interesting coincidences. Let's, let's connect some dots and see where so, we go. And then it's, like, we'll bring out the red string and get some photographs. Oh, yeah. We'll make, a, we'll make a war room and talk about it. <laughs> so, um, so Eve Harker, this medium, well, let's say spiritist or spiritual woman. Spiritualist. Yeah, she comes and checks out the place, and she goes into our basement, and she tells us that um, because there's a leak down there, there's a boiler down there. She tells us that there is a water elemental um, that has manifested in our basement and that we have to keep it in the basement because if we let it out of the basement, they like, they're just mischievous. They like to mess around with things. Um, so when we leave the basement, we're supposed to say with a commanding tone, stay down here. And then you close the door and you leave the basement. And um, Like you're leaving a pet. Like you're leaving a pet, exactly. Huh. Um, I'm not good at that, you know. I don't like I don't like the idea of any being being forced to stay somewhere, especially like a dark, damp basement. Right. Um, no one so, really wants to be there. So I've not always done that. Um, the last, actually, like two months with the hot water heater. So like. Um, about two months ago, 
this sort of strange thing happen. Uh, my girlfriend and I are sleeping at my studio and um, she wakes up and she's like, even there's a leak in the hallway. And I'm like, I'm like, well, put a bucket in there. I don't know. I'm fucking tired. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, she's like, no, there's like, it's not like a bucket leak. So I go out there and it's like, there's like five or six drips. And I'm like, well, it's more buckets, you know, lots of buckets. <laughs> like, you just see lots of buckets. So I call the people. I'm like, you know, the urban equity people. I'm like, you know, there's a leak here, man. And they're like, you got buckets. I'm like, yeah, I got buckets. They're like, right, we're good. So uh, about 20 minutes later, she wakes up. She's like, Amy, you need to come out here. So I come out and it's like torrential downpour. Okay. Like water is raining from the ceiling. And I call urban equity back and I'm like, hey, man, this league is, oh, fuck, man. You need to get back. You need to get out of here now. And so I go upstairs and on the second floor, same thing, torrential downpour. And I know that it's coming from the third floor apartment. Okay. Okay. So I get, finally, they teach me how to turn off the water on. So I turn the water off and, um, they teach me. They told me where the, the thing was. Right. Um, it wasn't like a six-week course. They taught you the ways yeah. of the water. <laughs> they taught me the ways of the water, yes. So um, they so I go turn off the water or whatever. And they call at like 3 o'clock in the morning. They're like, they're like, this is really weird. Like, we this is a brand new hot water heater. And we hooked it up personally. But like, <laughs> it's not hooked up right. Oh. And so we're like, well, that's weird. You need to find new people to work for you. Because they don't know how to hook up a hot water heater. And then... About two weeks later, same thing happens. And I'm like, now I'm just getting annoyed. I'm like, hire some people who know how to like turn a bolt or whatever, man. Right. You know, who know how to hook up a water fixture. Like I could do that. Um, and uh, whatever they fix it, supposedly. Well, like a week ago, we're sleeping and sure enough, torrential downpour, three o'clock in the morning. And I will tell you something. It is always at three o'clock in the morning oh boy it is always at three o'clock in the morning three times this habit always at three o'clock in the morning three times three in the morning well they say three o'clock is like the, the witching, witching hour the oh, witching yeah. hour. so oh, yeah. everyone who's been on this i think everyone who's been on there's like and then 3 a.m uh-huh. 3 a.m halloween night 3 a.m it's always 3 a.m so it's the so worst time to wake we up call too. them and they're like this time they're like Nothing we can do, man. Let it run through. And I'm like, oh, oh, really? I don't know if that's true, but okay. So we just so horrible we just, advice. So we just try to sleep through this like torrential downpour in the hallway. And Urban Equity bought like two pieces of my artwork now though, because they destroyed them. So win-win for me. There you go. Uh, so uh, anyway, so they come the next day. I'm you know talking to them, trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And they're like, it's just the darndest thing. Like this has oh, this this hot water here is so new, it still has a warranty. And they just are like, we don't know what's going on here. And it's just kind of weird that it happens at 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. Okay, that is weird to me. If it happened at like, if it was kind of at like random times, you know, I, I'd be more inclined. I'd probably still think something weird is happening. But oh, sure. I'd be more inclined to be like, well, it's just the hot water here, you know. It's three three times. Three, three times in a, at 3 a.m. Someone's sending you a message. Someone's sending me a message. It's the, it's the water spirit. Who's not to... Who's not telling it to stay in, the, in its cage? It's me. It's you? I don't ever tell it to stay down oh, there. Oh, so it's you. I don't ever tell it to stay send down there. Send Henry down there to do it. I Yes, send Henry to, to keep the water spirit in place. Yeah. Because I'll work down there, and I tell you, man, I get myself so scared. I listen to these like really creepy podcasts, like uh, Tannis. Have you, heard, have you ever heard that one? 
Tannis, Tannis no. Rabbits. These are Pacific Northwest Stories podcasts. Uh-oh. And I'll they have to check those are out. scary, man. And like, I'll be down. There. I work real late. I love working late at night. It's quiet. There's nothing going on. And I got my saws going real loud. So like it sort of messes with your hearing. And like I call, I'm, I just like, I'm always afraid something's going to like touch me on my shoulder. Cause this basement is so creepy. And there's this section of the basement where whenever I walk over there, literally like all the hairs on my body just start to just stand on end. And there is something over there and it does not like people. And so I've tried to befriend it, you know, you know, just talk to it like a normal water spirit or whatever. And uh, one time I said, and again, this is all things I, I'm not like hearing this in my ears. I'm not like bad shit crazy, but like things I've heard in my head. And so I ask it, I say, I'm playing some music. I'm like, so what do you want to listen to? And it says, I'd like to listen to the sounds of 10,000 screaming children being murdered. And I was like, oh, well, we're going to listen to this. Yeah, that's not, I don't know if that's on iTunes. I don't have that on my playlist. Um, so it does not like people. It doesn't like people being down there it wants to either i don't know if it can hurt anybody but definitely wants to scare people it's got horrible taste in music bad taste in music um jeez so so it's just kind of crazy so i have not been telling this thing to stay in its place i've been like do you only it's all good and uh, maybe stop now yeah and then we start having these water problems happening and that's kind of like it just makes me feel like maybe there's something to that you know there's definitely something to that. That I, has to be. That's I, too I try to remain pretty skeptical. You know, I try. Oh, to yeah. like, I try to for things to be empirically validated. Oh yeah. Um, but when yeah, when things start happening over and over again at three o'clock in the morning, after I specifically did not tell the water thing to stay down there, I st- I haven't done that in forever. I'm like, I'm not gonna tell this thing what to do. Why doesn't someone just kick it out? It's got. I don't think it works like that. No. I think that it's like because it, it manifested there because of the water that's present there. It's a boiler heated building. There's like an outside. Oh. Water. There's an outside oh. water leak there. I think that it just like exists there. Um, also, I don't know if like, huh. I don't know. Maybe people aren't into making them leave. I don't know, man. Yeah, maybe it's more <laughs> trouble than it's worth. If, might be. Might. Well, I mean, it's might wrecking the place. You home. Yeah. Well, yeah. You don't want that. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that. It's wrecking the place. Yeah, well, that's our urban equity. They're gonna have to hire. They're a, gonna have to like hire their own mediums for call, that. <laughs> they have to exercise that. Call faith so. Call faith so. Um, <laughs> So, okay. Oh Sorry. You're going to get sued by Faith Center. I know. I'll let that part out. Um, no. Um, what else was I going to say? So, okay. So, what I'll... Uh, so, there's got to be space in between this. Because, I mean, you jump from, I stop yeah. believing in God to, I'm doing ritual magic in the woods. Yeah. That's a big jump. Yeah, that's a big jump. Um Right. So I consider myself a Christian for like the longest time. Sure. The longest time. I mean, I went to prison twice. Um, though in prison. No, no, no. It was the first time I went to rehab. <laughs> I know my credibility is getting like shot to the wind here, but, uh, the first time I went to, <laughs> <laughs> how many times was I in prison? No, the that's first, rehab. The first time I was in rehab, I, um, I discovered this book called a million, a million little pieces. And it's about this dude who um, just like just wrecks his life with drugs and alcohol and goes to rehab and, you know, gets cleaned up, doesn't make life better, but at least he's sober. And um, anyway, um, in that book, 
so and when you when you start getting involved in rehab, they want you to find like this kind of like power greater than yourself, something that you can rely on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, that isn't a human being because humans are always going to let you down. Yeah, they're unreliable. Even if they're unreliable, there you go. It's not that they're necessarily going to let you down, but they're unreliable. Inconsistent. They, inconsistent. Yes. Yeah. So you have to have something that's sort of like inside of you that's always with you that you can rely on. Right. And um, growing up in the church, I've sort of like, I just. I've just had such a problem with like the church's concept of God. And then I started reading the old Testament. I started having a problem with, you know, Jehovah, old Testament God. And um, I discovered this, uh, this book called the Tao, the Tao Te Ching written by a guy named uh, Lao Tzu in like 600 BC. Mm -hmm. And, um, it talked about the way and the way being this sort of like, um, this sort of, the flow of all things that you can be a part of. And that sort of resonated with me. And it resonated with the teachings of Jesus because Jesus talked about the way as well. And in fact, the first church called itself the way. Is it kind of like Buddhist-esque? Um, well, it, the Tao and Buddhism developed around the same time. The Buddhism does have a concept of, of the way. Yeah, Taoism. Okay. Buddhism does have a concept of the way, but it's officially different than the Taoist way. Um, Taoism, Buddhism, and Confucianism all kind of came out about the same time. Okay. So, um, so I started studying this. It's a lot about being the unformed block, um, becoming your truest self. Um, we create this like version of ourselves. Yeah. It's our personality. It's like childhood upbringing, um, stuff that happened to us as a child, um, genetics, um, physiological things that happen like you know if you drown for 15 seconds as a kid these these things have effects on our brains you know oh sure and our personality unchecked just is that or or we start getting like screwed over by people so we start perceiving society and culture differently yeah you, yeah i get that so that's our personality this is this thing that we create but it's not us it's not you it's just like this you that you put forward to society and to other people that you meet. And then of course we start to believe that it is us. Um, but things like the Tao and, and Buddhist meditation teach us to get in touch with our truest self and that that truest self devoid of our thinking mind, if we can, if we can, if we can stop our thinking mind that our truest self can shine through. And that I felt was also the teaching of Jesus. Jesus of course would have said that like, that is, the presence of God on earth. And I think that was probably more so the teachings of Jesus than like worship Jesus as God. I think that Jesus was trying to teach people how to become God on earth. Um, and so when I started to, when I started to read the Tao, when I started reading the Hindu Upanishads, I started to, to see that maybe what Jesus taught wasn't his own pure thinking, that maybe he was getting that from some other stuff that he learned. Because you have to understand that Taoism came around 600 years before Jesus was born. Buddhism came around 600 years before Jesus was born. The idea that like the Middle East didn't get any of that is absurd. 600 years, they got some of that. Um, and especially if you were uh, maybe a little more open-minded to uh, some spiritual concepts that the legalistic authority of the day, religious authority of the day maybe wasn't so open to. Mm -hmm. um, so I started seeing that maybe there's a little bit more overlap. I started listening to things like Gandhi talk about how there are many paths up the same mountain. Mm -hmm. um, I discovered the, like I said, the Hindu Upanishads, the concept of Brahman. 
um, which is the impersonal absolute, the thing that all things come from. And essentially, we are all, um, we're all like nerve and nerve tendrils off of the same nervous system. Um, and when I started to realize that I, I sat down with a kind of more open mind, I opened up the Old Testament and I read and I said, I told myself I would sit here and I will read this with an open mind and hear the words as though I've heard, I'm hearing them for the first time. And I did that and then I closed it and I said, is this something you can be a part of? Can you be a part of a being that commands his followers to kill every man, woman, and child of an opposing tribe? And I said, no, and that is not something I can be a part of. And so at that point, I walked away from Christianity. Because of like the like the Joshua raiding the... Be- that what you're talking about? Like when they like destroyed all the... Oh, uh, well, actually, they didn't do it. So God tells them to kill every man, woman, and child. He was the Amalekites, mm-hmm. and they don't do it. And then God punishes the Israelites for not doing it. Gotcha. Um, yeah. That's super fucked up to me. Hmm. And um, also, like, this idea that you have to, like, worship me or you're going to go to hell for all of eternity, that seemed very childish to me. I need I need your attention. Or I'm, you're, you're not part of your... I can't... You have to be punished forever. Right. That seemed very childish to me. And I'm not trying to hate on anybody who believes in what they believe. But that seemed very childish to me. Yeah. And it wasn't something that I felt like I could be a part of. Right. Um. About this time, I started discovering like Satanism. I started, I discovered these concepts of like um, almost things that stand in opposition of Christianity, mm-hmm. things that stand in opposition to um, curtailing your like um, indulgences. Okay. Because a lot of what mainstream modern Christianity is about is about not doing these things that we have urges to do. Right. Um, and so I didn't. I I opened myself up myself up to all possibilities. Um, I read things about like Anton LaVey saying that um, the seven deadly sins keep us, keep us in check. They help us be better people because they keep each other in check. Mm-hmm. Um, if I want to, my pride actually is what helps me be a better person. Um, my impulses toward lust are actually what help me take care of my body. Um, these seven deadly sins actually can help us be better people. Now, since then, I have found that maybe uh, maybe indulgence, pure indulgence, isn't perhaps the way to go. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> you figure so, that out the hard way. Yeah. So and and that I'm okay. And I I feel like um, you know the one book of the Bible that I really like a lot and I've always liked is Ecclesiastes, and in Ecclesiastes Solomon, he is uh he is this wise man, and then he turns his way towards like indulgence. Right, and he has like, you know, whatever, three hundred concubines and six hundred wives or whatever. He has servants and servants born into his house, you know, and he has parties and he does all the things, but he always kept his mind about him. And so I, I sort of feel like I did some of that, and and the same with the Buddha. Only on, the Buddha did the opposite. The Buddha grew up as a, a prince, right, and he rejected all material things, right. And he realized, well, that isn't the way either. Yeah. So we kind of come to this middle road. This sure. middle road where basically I believe that if we are seeking knowledge that we're on the right path. So, but anyway, so this all happened between like probably 2006, which is my first rehab stint and like 2012 or 13 when I got out of prison. Um, Cause I, I went to prison for drugs and uh 
um, like selling drugs or own. No, it's possession. Just possession. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I went to prison for two years for having five Vicodin pills. Um, yeah, so wrap your head around that. So anyway, there's uh, like I did two years. I didn't get like two years of fifty percent. I got four years of fifty percent. So anyway, um, I uh, in this time I just started, I just commit. I had two years, right? So I just committed myself to reading as much as I could. And I delved into like as much esoteric spirit spirituality as I could. Um, I read about like grimoires, books of spells. I read the um, Tibetan book of the dead, um, which teaches you how to survive the afterlife. Basically. Okay. Um, I read some kind of really new age spiritual stuff, which I think is probably kind of like hogwash, but you know, I think it was like people trying to sell books and make money, but, Oh yeah. But I read a lot of, um, I tried to read the oldest stuff I could find. You know, I read like the Polycan, Polycan of a Buddhist. I read the Tao. I mean, the Tao is real small. I read that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I considered myself a Taoist for some of my stay in prison. Um, but I, like I said, I always considered myself a Christian until, until that one moment when I sat down and I looked at the Bible. And preceding that, I did have kind of like this uh, kind of wild experience that kind of ties into this show. I, um, this is all around 2006. This actually was about 2013. That's when you decided Christianity wasn't for you. Probably 2014 is when I officially pulled the plug on Christianity. Gotcha. Um, before that, I was like, well, I'm like a mystical Christian. I, I like <laughs> mystical. Well, mysticism is the idea that you can be one with God. Oh, sure. Okay. And I and I think that was probably truly what Jesus taught. Um, but I again, I couldn't align myself with Old Testament God. Yeah. Could not. Absolutely not. Um, in fact, the Gnostics don't even believe that Jesus was talking about Old Testament God. Gnostics believe that Jesus was talking about a higher absolute. So anyway, so I'm, I used to do this thing where I would get like real stone. I'd like smoke like a whole joint of the best weed I could. And I'd by myself and I would lay in bed and I'd kind of just let my mind go into this kind of trance state. Yeah. And I would, I don't converse with things, beings. I don't know. And they would tell me things that I would then later go look up and they would turn out to be like accurate things I didn't know about things about like spiritual tradition traditions that I didn't know about. And uh, I would ask them questions and they would give me answers and I would go look it up. My friends would be, I had these, I had like kind of like a group of kind of esoteric spiritualists who, um, who were a lot more educated than I was, like oh, tr- sure. formally educated than I was. And they would be like, well, that means this. And I would look it up and sure enough that whatever being that was that talked to me said that, and it was telling me something I didn't know that is validated by this external text. Wow. Um, so during that time, I was questioning a lot of things. I was questioning whether there was a God at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did this thing where I, I went to this kind of trance state and I said, um, I'm tired of searching. I am tired of playing this kind of like shell game. Um, if you're there, God, like just show me. I'm done. I'm done looking. I'm. This is ridiculous to have just the best I can do is like some sort of like uh, intangible conjecture about if there's a God or not. That's the best I can get in your fucking God. Right. So I was like, you need to show me now. And so the spirit appeared to me and I asked it what its name was. And it said its name was Yeshua, which I didn't even know at the time is the Hebrew pronunciation for Jesus. Um, and it says, come to me, come with me. 
So I go, and we. It's just all. This is all third eye stuff. Okay, I'm not like physically doing this. Right. So we go and walk into this completely empty space. I don't mean like a room with a floor and it's dark. I mean like completely empty okay. space. We are in space and not outer space. I don't know. We're in a blackness. Okay? Yeah. And it says, this is what you are looking for. And it points. And I look up and there is this spherical object um, that is like the orb found you. It is, it is simultaneously infinitely larger than my mind can even comprehend. And it is at the same time, more infinitesimal than I can possibly see. Okay. And it's kind of like doing both of these things all at the same time. And inside of this, it's sort of like an orb. It's sort of like an inner core, yeah. which is just sort of like, it's like gray and black and white, kind of like electricity, kind of like moving around. Oh, okay. And then around that, there's an outer shell. And in between the inner core and the outer shell are these like electrical, like lightning bolts just going like crazy. Yeah. And then from the outer shell are these like nerve ending tendril, elect- like electricity bolts going into everything going into everything like the universe like the universe like you me the plants the ground the earth the planets galaxies far far away it's going into all of those things and i looked at the being and it said this is what you were looking for this is that which you seek is what it told me and at that point i thought to myself that this stuff i've read in the bible isn't it's not it's not the end this is like this might be some like child killing mountain deity that the Jews had made a deal with or that the old Testament Hebrews made a deal with, but this isn't like the, this isn't that. And so, um, shortly after that, I, um, I read more into the, the Hindu explanation of Brahma and I discovered that that or Brahman. And I discovered that that is essentially what they're talking about. It's an impersonal absolute. You could talk to it through a being that has become manifest, uh, manifested of it, you, <laughs> that has manifested that um, that source on the physical realm. You could maybe talk to it like that, but you can't talk to it. It's not; it doesn't have a personality. So, like, like God and Jesus. Yes. Or, okay. If you don't talk about Jehovah, but yeah, the 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 eternal absolute that is God, right. And Jesus. Yes. So yes. that's called bhakti in the Hindu tradition. So something you can't be in his presence and then translate mm-hmm. something you can be and yes. you can get to it through this. Yeah. So that's called bhakti. So like, um, in Hinduism, there's many manifestations of the divine. There's like Vishnu, yeah. Shiva, and then they have their multiple manifestations, the avatars of Vishnu, um, like Krishna. And you could talk to Krishna, you could pray to Krishna or whatever. Um, I don't, I think that that is one way to get somewhere, but I think that ultimately like you are a part of that. We are all a part of that. Right. Um, but I discovered this through this sort of like trance state. I was led to led down this path from going into this trance state and having this being literally show me essentially that. What it looked like. Well, it was just what I described. It was just that kind of like electricity, a lot of electricity. Yeah, a lot of electricity, but again, I don't know if that was what I, what my mind. Well, the Yeshua thing. What did it look? What did that? Oh, what did that? It didn't look like anything. It just it was a it was a voice. It was just a voice. Maybe sort of like a. I don't know. No, it was just a voice. I maybe there was some. I feel like there was like sort of a. uh, A shape, a man kind of sized shape, but I think that was more so to be like. 
I need to follow something, so I'm going to appear as this kind of man gotcha. shape for you to become okay. this way. But it was more mostly just a voice. So that's where you kind of like made that jump. That's where I really sat down and said, is this really what I believe? Right. And I sat down with the Old Testament and read it and said, if this is real, can I be a part of that? Right. And I was emphatically no. And that was 2014? 2014. And that was after prison? or before? After prison, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what happened after that? Well, after that, I... Because um, you're like in tune to all this stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, after that, I lived in Carbondale, Illinois at that time. Carbondale's kind of a... It's kind of an odd place. It's... um. That's south, right? South. Very far south. About as far south as Illinois, Illinois as you can go. It's six and a half hours from here. Yeah. Um, Shawnee National Forest. So a lot of backcountry out there. There's not any big cities. Carbondale's probably the biggest, and it's only like 22,000 people. Um, there's a lot of darkness there. Okay. There's a lot of like um, people taking advantage of other people. A lot of partying. A lot of high energy. Is there a college down there? There's a college down there, yeah. A lot of probably people party down there like as though like it's like every night somebody told them this is the last time you're ever gonna get to drink for the rest of your life. This is it. They're hitting it every night like that. Jeez. Um so and I talked to some friends down there, they're like, dude, it's not changed, it's just the same as it as it ever was. Man. And uh so anyway, yeah, down there is pretty wild. Um the Shawnee National Forest is old. The interesting thing about down there is that the the rocks are still out. They're still above the soil down there. Up here, we've got some rock outcroppings. You know, there's like uh, out by like uh, cliff breakers as a rock outcrop. And we've got a couple of rock outcroppings up here, but they're kind of like here and there. In fact, it's sort of like amazing. You're like, oh, cool. There's this rock outcropping. Like, oh, okay. There's like Seward Bluff, you know. Um, but down there, it's because we had a glacier up here. So it pushed all this soil over everything. Thing. Oh, right, right, right. Well, okay. the glacier stopped at about Vandalia, at about Route 64. So south of that, there isn't, it's all crappy dirt, but like incredible rocks. I mean, there are just like, rock climbing is huge down there. There are just valleys and canyons and rock outcroppings, mostly sandstone, all around southern Illinois. And it is incredible and it's beautiful, but it's, it's so, it's like, the ground itself is older down there than the ground here. Okay. Think about that. Think about how wild that is to think about. And not to mention that like soil has a tendency to sort of like uh, diffuse the vibrations of the internal core of the earth. Whereas like hard rock, I feel like would do that less. Holds on to it. Kind of holds on to it. Yeah. Um, it kind of like, makes sense. Sort of like a crystal uses a... Uh, you can make a crystal vibrate with electricity right? so accurately that you can actually use it to keep time on a watch, you know? Yeah. Um, so like, so there's something there, right? So like solid, solid matter just like transfers energy better than loose matter does. Um, it feels older down there because it's, it's old time, old time back country. I mean, slave days. It really is. I mean, it's like they had slaves down there, you know? Uh, it's a different way of life. It's a totally, it's slower, yeah, you know, Kentucky is probably the best, the, the most similar, probably more better known part of the country. I could, I could um, say that Southern Illinois is similar to. So something happened to you down there? Yeah, so we'd go hiking, right? Um, hiking, I mean, I love hiking, but down there it's just, 
it's better because there's just all this rock and it's not like you see the same trees everywhere you go it's like right. everywhere is different and so we'd hike a lot i got really into rock climbing and i remember one night um a couple of friends of mine and i we took mushrooms and we're we're hiking around jackson falls and we miss our so the jackson falls is a horseshoe canyon so you have to like climb down and well, you like scramble down in and there's only one way to get there's one way to get in and one way to get out yeah well we're walking around and we miss the way out so we're lost now okay it's like the middle of the night we're lost in this horseshoe canyon yeah tripping on mushrooms and we start having these kind of you know these kind of creepy conversations about like forest spirits and whatever and i remember we're talking about this my friend Raina is getting real freaked out she's getting scared and my other friend alex is getting more interested yeah and so we mention the forest spirits and i say don't be afraid they're here to help us and i shit you not all the branches around us start just shaking shaking Shaking. yeah um another time some friends of mine remember i said i had this group of kind of like esoteric spiritualist friends down there who are a little more they're a little more well-read than i am when it comes to that kind of stuff um there are people I would go to. I kind of like the un, the not so well read idea because it's like it's all just feeling. It's all just visceral. Okay. It almost seems like there's a validity there that might get lost if I was a little more well read. But I like having people I can go to with these things. So anyway, we're walking around uh, Panthers Den. It's this like hiking spot down there, and uh, we get real lost again. And uh, Finally, we're we're like we're like we're just gonna let our intuition guide us back to the parking lot, you know. <laughs> so, so we're like super lost. Yeah, what could happen with that? Right. So finally, we find this road, and my buddy's like, "Should I just Google it?" I go, "You've had your phone this whole time." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, fucking Google it, man." <laughs> I'm on mushrooms. You're like, <laughs> "No, nah, we were sober. We oh, were okay. sober. We were sober." And uh, so he Googles it and he goes, you're not going to like this. There's like, there's four of us. He goes, it's an hour and 15 minute walk back to the, to the car. And it's the middle of the night. We got no flashlights. We're like, fuck man. Well, I guess we just got to do it. You know? So we go and we, we walk down this, we walk down this really like beautiful sort of passageway where these dogwood trees are, are bent over the path and dogwood trees are really pretty. They have these really beautiful um, four petal white flowers. Mm -hmm. They're arching over the path and it's just really pretty like passageway. And it seems like a passageway. And we walk through that and we've been walking for about 20 minutes. We walk through this and we look up and there's the parking lot with our cars. And I look around and the like, the like air is shimmering. And my buddy goes, does anybody else see the air shimmering? And I go, yeah, what is that? And they're like, I don't know, but it's probably whatever helped us get here that fast. I mean, we walked what on the GPS said was like an hour and 15 minute walk. We walked that in 20 minutes tops. Whoa. And the air was shimmering, validated by every single person who was standing there. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. 
I yeah, know. how did you explain that one? Did you can you explain that one? I can't explain it. No, no. that just happened. It's like it a just time happened. I walk, we walked time. through a know <laughs> a time portal. I don't I don't know, man. I don't know Ooh. what that is. Dang, that's cool. So those are some sort of things that happened down there. The more recent stuff is more things where like, you know, maybe it's just me being scared in a basement. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, you know. But yeah, that's pretty much my story up, that, to, up to now. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So, I mean, so you've been on quite a journey. I have, yeah. And this is all, you know, sewn through with like, you know, over a decade of heroin addiction, um, alcoholism. Um, I've been to prison twice. I robbed four gas stations and an Arby's in 2006 with a BB gun. Um, yeah, I've had... I've had a journey. You've lived. I have lived, yeah. Yeah, I remember you posting, maybe maybe it was a year ago, you you posted like this really long post on Facebook. I do that every once in a while. (laughs) But it was like, uh, just like all the things you'd been through and the way your life is now. Yeah. Yeah, it's come a long way. It's really inspiring. I really liked it. I I really liked it. Yeah, now I'm able to make art professionally. Um, I'm able to live a life that I never, ever would have thought possible. Nice. I like that. That's so cool. I've seen your art. I think it's cool. Thanks, man. And you work with China Cat. That's I do. We do a lot. We've done yeah. a couple of collaborations. We're actually uh, China Cat six six three and I are um, in the process of developing a theme that we're going to present to the Freeport Art Museum, um, so that we'll have a joint show there of of collaborative pieces that her and I have done together. That's cool. I saw the one on uh, Facebook. Yeah, you guys should check out. Sweet. Yeah, that was our second one. Eamon James. That's a cool. That's a cool piece. Thanks. I always liked her, and then I saw yours, and I was like, "This it just works really well. Mm-hmm. Works really well." So okay, so you've made it all this way, and then like we've had stuff. We're obviously gonna have you on again because we've got some other things to talk about. Yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit more about um, esoteric spirituality. Yeah, maybe some like forest wood ritual kind of stuff. Yeah, um, magic, witchcraft. Right. So Satanism. You, so you talked, yeah. So like when I asked you, the first time I asked you, it was Luciferian. Luciferian Satanist. Luciferian but I, Satanist. I don't like to be like pigeonholed. You right. Know? So I would say, yeah, I'm, I, I, I fucks with all that stuff. Um, I like. You mentioned chaos magic. Chaos magic, right. Which the I, idea I that, read a lot about. So you've read about that. So the idea that, that one could use any rituals from any tradition. Right. In order to, uh, you know, reach the desired end. Of sure. Course. And obviously, well, I don't obviously, but really this is all about focusing your will. Right. And how we do that ritual just helps that. Okay. You know, that's really all that's about. Um, you know, you can kind of put your energy into something. You can put your intention into something. Maybe if you carry it around, maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Gotcha. But, um, but it helps. Hmm. Nice. That's all that stuff's about. You don't need any of that, but it makes, but it makes it easier. Huh? So we're going to get into that. Yeah. So we'll get into that. And then part two. I like it. Okay, cool. Well, thank you, Eamon James, for, for being with us and like some wild stories. Thanks, Raphael. Yeah, you're welcome. It. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks again to Eamon James for being on Maybe It's Spiritual. Some really awesome stories. If you guys want to check him out, he's a local artist. He's got an Instagram. It's Eamon James. He's also part of the 317 Art Collective. Uh, that's a downtown Rockford thing, uh, 317 Market Street. Right now they're doing private openings, but I know that they're getting ready to do some other shows. 
Also, if you like Maybe It's Spiritual, we have our Instagram, Maybe It's Spiritual, and we also have uh, email, Maybe It's Spiritual at gmail.com. If you guys want to send us a message or you want to be a part of the show, we would love to hear from you. Also, those of you who listen on Apple Podcasts, feel free to like give us a rating, tell us how we're doing, send us a comment. We just want to hear from you guys. And uh, we'll see you next time for Eamon James's part two. Thank you so much. <laughs>